Welcome to Prattle. Sean McCallum lives outside of Toronto, Canada with his wife and two children. The recalcitrant stuff of life is his debut novel, exploring the unanswerable questions surrounding the meaning of life and the origins of the universe in a way one might explore them if you had eaten a bunch of mushrooms and were laying out in a dock looking up at the stars in northern Ontario. Thank you, Sean, for being here with us today. Outcast is uh, the press that is going to be releasing the recalcitrant stuff of life, which I have read the first probably about 55 pages of, and I'm like in love with it. It's so oh, weird. that is so nice of you to oh, say. Oh, it's great. It's going to get an awesome review from me for sure. Oh, thank you. So uh, do you want to talk a little bit, um, like just kind of like, how did this kind of like come to be like, I'm going to write a novel? Were you a writer before? Or like- uh, well, yes and no. Uh, you know, writer, did I write? Yes. Was I a writer? Probably not. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. I play men's league hockey, but I don't know if that makes me a hockey player, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, ever since I was a teenager, I was writing stories um, of uh, varying levels of quality. Um, and really my, my audience was just my friends, you know, I'd write these stories and they were sort of out there and uh, they love, you know, they got a few laughs out of them. They like to read them. So that was always sort of my target audience. And uh, I had written um, a manuscript in my twenties, right after I sort of um, graduated from, uh, from university and I was sort of two thirds of the way done it. And then I, I enrolled in the, um, the Humber school for writers uh, and worked with um, um, a, a writer, sort of professor, instructor at the Humber School for Writers. And um, shortly after completing that program, I had finished that manuscript. And this like predates Twitter and being able to find anyone to you know to get yeah. yourself published with. So, but I did wind up finding a, a pretty high prof- high profile agent in Toronto, and she took me on as a client and shopped that manuscript around and we came really close to getting it published like we had an offer on it but it was like an option and she felt we might be able to do better and um i sort of agreed with her because i didn't know any better and then we just it that's about as close as we got so um it was one of those heartbreaking things where you just think it's going to happen and then it doesn't and it's just like okay what do i do now and her advice was well just put it in the drawer and write the Mm -hmm. next one which is very easy to say and (laughs) Not, not quite so when easy. you're not the one who like poured hours into this and I'm like I want to see my baby in the world yeah. exactly but there is there is something to getting the first one written because you've got you know at the time I was I finished that in my sort of mid to late 20s so I had like 26 28 years worth of stuff to work out that you know I was able to work out uh in that initial manuscript um but yeah her advice is put in the drawer and write the next one and again easier said than done but uh I had sort of half an idea for half a novel and it was centered around um I'd spent some time in Peru and um gone on this sort of insane boat ride down the Amazon river to this wild sort of jungle frontier town called Iquitos. And I thought like, Oh, there's, there's, I think there's something here that I could write. So I started writing that. And then, um, in my previous travels to Peru, I, I, again, at the time I'd never heard of ayahuasca before, and I didn't really know what a shaman was. Um, cause I lived this very sheltered suburban life, uh, growing up, but, uh, while I was in Peru, I met sort of these English and Australian travelers who had just come back from being deep in the jungle with a shaman. And they're like, Oh, this was the craziest thing. You, you drink this, this potion, you know, their words, and, uh, you feel like you're going to die and you're hallucinating. And I was like, that sounds awful. And I would never, ever, ever do that. Uh, but then a couple of years later, I, I came across this article in a National Geographic magazine and it just blew my mind. And it was about um, um, a writer who was dealing with a, a lot of personal trauma. And it was just this amazing account of her experience with a shaman. And so I, uh, I booked a flight to Lima and I spent uh, a, a two nights in Lima. And then I booked another flight into, into the jungle, into this town called Iquitos. And I just tracked down this shaman and knocked on this door. And I said, Hey, I, I read about you. Can you, can you sort of take me, take me in? And he said, well, this has never happened before. This is really not how we do it. But he's like, yeah, I like your guts. So yeah, come along. That's so hilarious. <laughs> went down river with him for, uh, for 12 days and just, you know, had my whole mind and consciousness exploded. 
Um, and then coming out of that, I was like, okay, now I think I've got a novel, you know, and I, I used a lot of that in, in, in this work. So um, mm-hmm. that's sort of where it came from. And then it's sort of a, a side story. Um, you know, I, I wound up when I went into Lima and checked into this hostel, um, I met a young lady with her first day uh, working at the hostel. Uh, anyway, we did it off. And then I disappeared into the jungle for 12 days. And then I flew back into Lima and um, reconnected with her. Uh, and then uh, we wound up getting married a year later. And now we've got two kids and, uh, you know, we've got the whole family and the house and the whole thing. So I, uh, I went to Peru to, to write a novel and wound up with a wife and two kids. So yeah, that's sort of the way it played out. And that is really something that I kind of... Um that I kind of feel from the first little bit um, of the book is that, uh, that I, that, that feeling of only knowing people by basically by chance, like, like the stars aligning properly, like, like only knowing someone because you knew their roommate or um, uh, like, like, like the like the fact that the the different chapters are written from different people's point of views and that you can see them starting to kind of play together it's interesting to see kind of like the backs like almost like looking like how did this chance moment happen and tracing back all of those people's steps before but um coming up to that being able to see the different the different decisions like the small things that happened to get someone to be at that chance encounter the older i get i think the more obsessed i've become with this you know sort of tracing how you got from one point in your life to another and um you know i look at my kids and try to think about what are the chances that they exist like i could have gone anywhere in the world to travel uh, and i was traveling by myself and I could have checked into a thousand different hostels in Lima um, on any night of the year, but it just happened to be on this one night where it was this beautiful girl's first day on the job. And what are the chances I, <laughs> I'm able to convince her that I'm worth talking to? I mean, all these things that go into it and then, you know, you wind up having kids and there's a, there's a quote in, in, in the recalcitrant stuff of life. And it's something to the effect of, you know, um, your life while it's happening, it, it seems like it's chaos and just a bunch of random things happening. But then as you get older, you look back and, and it's like, it reads like a finely crafted novel. Like, well, of course it played out that way. So I, I do, I've, I've come, I've become more obsessed with that idea. Like how, how did we get here? <laughs> you know, so that yeah. there's a big part of that in the book is just, um, you know, how, what is it fate? Is it predestined? Is it just dumb luck? I mean, I, I certainly don't claim to know the answers, but I'm, uh, I like exploring the idea of it. Yeah. And it's like, it's interesting because the way that I've kind of come to start thinking of it is like, it's like, it's like a web. And I mean, like, that's not a new idea, of course, but it's like a web. You pluck one string and all of these other strings that are connected to all of these other strings start vibrating in different ways, right? And that causes strings of effect. And it's like, when you think about it, like a spider's web is, it feels like absolute chaos. It's just this like little thing of like sticky stuff that gets on your face. Um, But when you look at it, once it's done, like in retrospect, right? You see that it's this completely finely crafted, put together work of art, right? And it's just like, and, and, and we work in like a space-time continuum. So that just like goes in all different directions. So it's like when you, when you, you're always, you're always making splashes in the pond. You're always pl- plucking on strings and causing new vibrations, but they're not random, even if you can't see it. Yeah, that's it. Like it feels random and we probably like to believe it's random, <laughs> but there's certainly seems like there's a bigger plan at work. And this is, you know, full disclosure. I'm not a spiritual person. Uh, I don't think. Uh, and I remember, um, you know, spending time with this shaman and I was just there. I mean, there was people working through legitimate issues, right? I mean, trauma, um, abuse. I mean, the whole things, drug addiction, things that, you know, I was fortunate enough to not 
have experienced. And I was just there because I thought it'd be cool to write about. I mean, I was just <laughs> happy-go-lucky. This is pretty wild. Uh, but I do remember one time the shaman pulling me aside and he said to me, like, you have no idea why you're here, but I know why you're here and it'll all make sense to you in one year's time. And I sort of thought that was a throwaway comment. But then sure enough, uh, when I married my wife, it was a year to the day of him saying that. And I was just like, and I only realized that after the fact. And I was like, oh my goodness, like <laughs> maybe there is something larger at work here. Like how, how did he know that, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, and it's like, crazy. it's so cool because like, because like, I don't know, I don't know if I believe that like, like I definitely think that there's a certain like teleology to the natural world in so much as it does follow a certain set of rules and it will always correct to those rules. Almost like a more, um, oh, not ambient, but like abstract kind of goal for them, for, for it to have. And it's like, when you think of cause and effect, cause and effect is not simple, right? Like you think like, oh, I push you, you fall down, but I push you, you fall down, you fall on an anthill, that entire anthill collapses. Um, then maybe, I don't know, this piece of trash doesn't get picked up by the ants and a rat eats it and dies and then causes a disease or something like that, right? Like cause and effect is so much more complicated than we think. So it's like when you put things out there and you can't not be putting things out there, no matter what you're doing or not doing, you're, you're setting off these strings of causation and that, and it gets so far because those hit other strings of causation. And how are we to say that people who are not as in tune with patterns, for example, or whatever like that, can't see, like, like, like shaman are, are people who can like are more in tune with this kind of like fabric sort of thing and they can see further down the cause and effect chain yeah, um, I, I think there's there's so much truth to that and again when I was uh you're wise beyond your years because when I was your age I certainly wasn't thinking that way but you know every atom every particle in the universe is interconnected you move your baby toe and that in some way has an effect on something on the other side of the universe in ways we'll never understand, but it's just one giant living, breathing organism. So, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty wild to think about. And when you take that back to writing, it's um, like as, as, as a creator, cause like I've just started kind of putting my work into the world, like quite recently, like probably around June, I think. And uh, like seeing people interact with it and seeing how it, makes change and like and like hits and like and like changes those vibrational energies and stuff like it's just so it's so rewarding to put something out there and have someone say hey you like you you did a thing like like like, like you might like you might have moved me like this much you might not have like given me a 180 degree turn but like like you changed something in my life right yeah that's that's really powerful. And that's, um, you know, as, as writers, it's like, what do you want to get out of it? And it's, I just say like, if this is such a cliche, but like if one person, you know, if one person reads it and that gets them interested in literature or in, in books or in reading, and then it's all worthwhile, you know, cause growing up, I, there was books I read and it was just like, oh my goodness, like this changes the way I see the world. This changes the way I understand things. And, you know, if it can affect people, um, even the, the smallest percentage of people that way, then it's, it's all worthwhile. So, and it is pretty amazing just to, to, to see people's reactions. And when you hear from people to say, Hey, I, I really liked what you did. This, this, you know, this made me cry. You know, it's, 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 it's pretty amazing. It's pretty humbling. No, for sure. Because everybody interacts with your work in a different way. And, and I think recently there's been a lot of discourse around the idea that, um, like, especially, I guess, I guess this is more of like, a, I guess, poetry um, than just generalized writing, but definitely writing in general as being like, you can only, like, like people, like it's a dead art or like people don't, like not very many people are impacted by this. Like, you know, you, you, you can never have as much impact as say like 
some like like one actor in Hollywood and I'm like but you're impacting someone right like there are I would argue with poetry the ones you're impacting you're probably impacting in a pretty profound way I mean because if they're reading poetry it's because poetry speaks to them I mean it's easy to watch a movie you know it's not easy to uh, to read poetry and and to really be absorbed by it. So um, yeah, I'd say yeah. your ability to uh, to connect with people is 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 very profound. And like and speaking um, like 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 speaking of that, it's like one of the things that I find that you've done really well in uh, the recalcitrant stuff of life is um, like right from the beginning, you've made it accessible to me. It's not about a life that's like outside of my realm of understanding like sure the sure sure the first person whose shoes I'm in I might not have the exact same life experience as but it's not like like your characters are very relatable and I found that you very much like brought me into this space in a way that got me invested in the work like right from the beginning um like your ability to manipulate atmosphere and uh and setting and mood is quite impressive. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that is very nice of you to say. All right. Yeah. So the atmosphere, um, I've spent a lot of time in Peru. And I mean, what I was really interested in was capturing the feeling of being down there and, and the feeling of um, what it's like to be an outsider down there um, as, a, as a gringo. You know, I've got a lot of experience being sort of a fish out of water down there. Uh, and then, you know, there's some scenes set in Toronto uh, and in New York and, and same idea. I just wanted to really convey that feeling because that's, you know, when I'm reading a, a work and, and when a work really touches me, it's, it's, it's not necessarily the story, it's the feeling. And, uh, and that's why whenever people ask me, what's this book about? I'm just like, uh, uh, I don't want to say it's not really about anything, but I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's less important what it's about than, than the way it makes you feel. So um, that's, that's really, that was my intent when I, when I set out to write this. And I think that's an excellent way to look at, to look at writing. Like, obviously, obviously there's many ways to write a book, but I think that that is one of the very good ways of looking at writing is saying, this is just an examination of life, right? Like, like what is art? You know, it's it, it, it's it's a look on and a twist on and a comment on life. So if you're just examining different parts of someone's life and like and like I was thinking about this before before we got on here, I was thinking about how um, like a life is very long and there's a lot of interesting and important and significant things that happen in a life, but they happen over a very long time. So it's kind of diluted. And a story really works to take a chunk of someone's life and distill it. Like, you know, like, like, like you, like, you know, you take, you take a hundred nights at a hundred bars and you make that a scene. Like you have to really capture that feeling. And, uh, and it's just like, it's very interesting how you're like how you're able to like I can feel the difference from when I'm I'm in Peru to when you're talking about um Toronto or um New York like just I don't know I don't know if you're doing it on purpose like if you've done like workshops on this or something like that but just like the way you use the imagery and the the words you use like they just like really kind of sink you into that space and make you feel that understanding that you have after being at a bar for a hundred nights. Right. So yeah. I find that, I find this to be very powerful and very cool. Well, yeah, that's, that is really nice of you to say, and I, I truly appreciate it. Um, yeah, certainly no workshops, <laughs> just uh, a lot of reading, a lot of writing, a lot of refining, but yeah, that it probably was consciously done. Um, just because, you know, I'm, again, I'm trying to convey that feeling of what it's like to mm-hmm. sort of walk down the street in a town like Iquitos at dusk. Like, what does that feel like? What's the energy, electricity that you can feel that only happens at dusk, you know, when, when the car lights come on and, you know, it's everyone's sort of getting ready to, to do their thing at night. Uh, and then same thing, New York's got its own energy and, and Toronto's got its own energy. So, um, I was probably 
consciously trying to to convey that. So I'm glad you picked up on that. I I loved what you said about distilling a hundred nights at, at, at a hundred different bars into one scene. And I've, I've never thought of it that way, but it's so true. I mean, you just gather these life experiences and make mental notes and then, you know, they, they come out in the one scene and there are a yeah. few, scenes, there are a few scenes in bars uh, in this book. So that was very perceptive of you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, cause it's like, um, because I was originally wondering, um, like thinking about asking like about embellishment and stuff like that. And I'm just like, I was thinking, but I was like writing, like even when you are embellishing your writing, you're doing it within the scope of human human understanding and existence. So somebody has, has lived that, like, it, like whether or not you have been um I don't know like like a like a super hard partier who does coke off keys in bathrooms you can you 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 can still like you have a background in in a certain experience of um like we've all been running away from something I'm sure most people have abused some sort of whether it be drugs alcohol religion sex whatever it is um to try and run from something um like you can like like you're drawing on a human experience and I feel like that's not like I don't think really anything can be considered pure fiction when you're when when you realize that everything is just a sliver of someone's existence like that came from someone's mind that doesn't exist outside of the human experience yeah and that and that's again very perceptive of you um my so my my mom's a big reader my dad is not uh, uh so just to, to to provide some context here uh, but he always will say like when he's referring to a main character and something I'm, I'm writing, he will not refer to the character as the character's name. Like in this case, he wouldn't say Rosie. He'd say you like, cause it's written in the first person. It's as if it were me, you know, which and yeah. I always have to say, dad, no, it's, it's not about me. It's, that's the character. Um, but there's so much truth in that idea of drawing on human experience because um, I, I, when I write something, it's, it's based in truth. Um, I don't think, not that there's anything wrong with, a character sort of putting on a cape and flying through the sky, but that's not really what I'm interested in. And that's not really what I write about. So if something's happening in something I'm writing, it's because it's either happened or could conceivably happen in the world we live in. Um, and it's largely drawn on not just my experience, but experience of people I know or have met or that I've, I've heard tell a story or something. Um, so there's that part of it. And then there's just the, imagining of it it's like well you know this didn't happen to me but if this is what it would be like yeah this is what you know if I were to run away for these reasons this is where I would go this is what I would do this is what my life would look like so again it hasn't happened to me could it happen to me maybe <laughs> and uh, this is how I think it would play out but I mean it, it is based and it's funny like it's a mix of fiction and nonfiction. like I think all writing yeah. is yeah. yeah and it's like and it, and it has happened to you in different ways uh, um in different in different experiences like you may not have packed up your bags and run away in the middle of the night um but maybe maybe you just decided one day hey I'm not happy with my life I'm going to break up with my girlfriend or whatever like that like that's a form of running away like you can take and I find that that's something that writing has really given me is this understanding that we all have certain experiences that we are experiencing to certain degrees and in different contexts and that's really the only difference um, is the degree and the context within which you're experiencing it. And like, don't get me wrong, there are certain contexts that certain people cannot understand because like you just aren't, have no baseline for their baseline, um, which is where you see like, um, like when you see racial tensions, for example, yeah, um, is like, you don't have a baseline. So then you just like you just cannot you cannot say I, I understand the experience of like for example myself I can't understand the experience of a middle-aged black man because I'm not yeah. um, but you can also see the um, universal under undertones 
that people experience, right? Like we all are looking for, like I'm Buddhist. Well, I'm sort of Buddhist. <laughs> I'm Buddhist, but not spiritually. Yeah. Um, I'm like philosophically Buddhist. So like, I, I think that people are just looking for like, for, for, for peace. They're just looking to, to, to get away from suffering. And if you look at that and you understand that that's the base human experience, then you can, you can really trace back any any experiences to I'm hurt and I want it to stop hurting yeah you know and so once you do that it's just so much it's so not easier but it's so much um more natural to just throw yourself into alternate experiences and explore them from alternate um points of view to create different characters in different settings and moods and stuff like that yeah. So I remember someone uh, once saying we're all the same person leading different lives. And it's just, a, it's an interesting way to conceptualize things. And I think that really helps with empathy and it, it helps creatively when, when you think of things that way. So yeah, I, maybe we didn't experience it firsthand, but it's, it's pretty easy to put yourself in their shoes and, and to imagine what that might be like. And I think that, 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 that way of looking at the world probably makes us better humans, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Trying to find that kind of, that, that kernel of existence that you can that, that you can connect to with someone because like it's okay like it's totally okay to be an individual who does not fit into certain molds but there's there's pieces of you that connect with pieces of other people and 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 appreciating those little bits and those moments of connection is very important as a human you know like we seem to we seem to value like my sister calls it the cult of the individual uh so much that we just forget that we're all connected in some sort of we're, well we're all connected in the human experience at least absolutely yeah we all we all suffer we all have hopes and dreams and you know uh we are all certainly connected that way and that's you know we've all been uh you know, the past 18 months leading somewhat different lives than we're probably used to and you yearn for that human connection, you know, if you, if you've been um, deprived of it for a little while. So I've, I've noticed that definitely just getting together with a couple of friends and having a, a couple of drinks and, and busting each other's chops that uh, it's amazing how powerful an experience that can be if, uh, if you haven't done it in, in a little while. So that connection yeah. thing. And I feel like, I feel like that's such a good example of what writing is is it's like it's it's taking something that people can connect with that people don't notice or at least this is for my writing when I, I like to take things that people don't notice and I like to look at it as though it's happening for the first time and just notice how extraordinary it is you know like just standing on the corner of a street talking to your friend on a Saturday afternoon that's pretty extraordinary the fact that you're there, the fact that there's lives being lived all around you, the fact like, like there's so many cool things that you can, that you can think about just from a, 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 a conversation on a corner somewhere. Yeah, it really, I mean, it is, it's, it's like the miracle of existence. The fact that we're here, the fact that we're conscious of it, it is all, <laughs> you know, you could just sit on that corner all day and just be mesmerized if you, if you wanted to think about it. And yeah. I think that's, I think that's so cool that's a great way to write is, is that as if looking for something or looking at something for the first time, um, you know, it's, uh, it's funny. We've got this dog who's sitting just out at the bottom of my feet. Now she's like nine months old. And we were at the park yesterday, not yesterday, uh, earlier in the week with our kids and an airplane was flying overhead. And I guess it was the first time that the dog noticed it and she was mesmerized. I mean, she was, you you know, for a minute, she's just watching this plane go across the sky. We're like, oh my God, she's noticing this for the first time. And I think that's a really amazing way to, to write um, because it, it will um, give you pause. Like, hey, maybe we shouldn't take this existence for granted because it's amazing that we're here. What yeah. can I ask you? You said you just started putting your work out there uh, recently. What, what was that experience like for you? Oh, wow. That was the most painful thing I've ever done. Um, <laughs> I've like I've been writing for a long time but I don't know I don't know where it came from because people always told me that my writing was quite good 
but I just like developed this like huge and it must be just because I actually like am am a writer because every writer I've met has this this is insane case of imposter syndrome so um probably about February this year um I took a couple uh workshops just like generative workshops and uh got on this like poetry discord and it just kind of like it showed me that there are places that you can publish other than like the New Yorker um <laughs> yeah that's that's, you know? that's the, I I do have a rejection letter from the New Yorker it's like a it's a thing of pride for me you know just when oh, I'm totally unqualified be. yeah you gotta have one <laughs> yeah you got you got a response at least yeah yeah so like it was so scary I was like I was like is any of my stuff gonna be good enough so because you don't have no baseline it's your first time putting something out there right <laughs> and you're just terrified you're like what if they hate me please love my stuff <laughs> um but no it went it went quite well it went quite well I had like I, I like I like I, I dipped my toes in first I put out like three three submissions in a week and I waited a little bit and I put in like a couple more and then one night I just like stayed up all night I was just like super like insanely manically like finding different places to send all of my poems to that's awesome um, <laughs> so that happened um but yeah no it's been very good like the the community is awesome honestly like everybody is so supportive and wonderful it's been a really great experience for me so far yeah and now that you're published I mean you've got street cred right like I, I, the heart the first one's got to be the hardest and then after that then yeah. you're a published writer and then everyone wants to talk to you so yeah exactly I mean like yeah exactly once you have it's, it's like I'm building my resume um <laughs> it's like here hire me take my stuff um but yeah no like once you have the first one it's like it's like Yes, you still have that imposter syndrome, but also you have like demonstrable proof that you're not right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, okay, I can't, I can't be too hard on myself all the time. Now, let me ask you, I don't, I don't mean to be flipping the mic around and, and asking you all the questions, but do you, or did you previously before you were published, like did, did your friends and family, did they know you were a writer? Is that something you talked about a lot? Like, or was it something you sort of do behind closed doors it's, it's sort of different for everyone but what was it like for you uh it's definitely different for everyone I've always been always 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 been a very um um out there writer I've always written uh so like when I was like a kid I remember like interrupting dinner because I had finished the first chapter of my story and I wanted my mom to read it <laughs> oh, um, nice and like my mom my mom's been reading me poetry since I was like in utero like uh, like my mom has been a huge huge influence on that so she's always known that I've written kind of growing up through school people knew that I was the kid who wrote yeah and I don't know I just like I have zero filter that's good <laughs> if I write something and I think it's cool I'm like hey look at this <laughs> that's awesome good for um you. yeah how about you yeah, I, I mean, only the people who are the absolute closest to me would have ever known that I was writing. And it's just something I didn't talk about ever. Um, and that stems from, I, I don't know, it's just, it, it's just such a personal thing. Um, and I would let my, 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 if I had something that I thought my friends would like, I'd, I'd give it to them to read and, and they would always like it. But when I was working on this novel, I didn't, I mean, I think my wife knew, maybe my parents knew. My parents always used to ask me, how come you don't write anymore? You know, you used to be so good at it. I was like, well, you know, I'm kind of working on something. So I didn't, I didn't talk about it at all just because I wasn't sure if it would ever go anywhere, if it would ever see the light of day. And then I, even when, you know, when I was in sort of not negotiations, but talks without cast press, I think my sister knew and that was it. And my wife, uh, and then it wasn't until we had sort of, finalized the publishing agreement that I sort of put the word out there and almost without exception, everyone was like, what, what, when did you ever find time to do this? What, when did this happen? And it's funny because everyone's like, I can't believe you wrote a novel during the pandemic. I'm like, no, no, I was working on this for like 10 years, you know, yeah. never, yeah. never spoke about it. So yeah, it's always something I've just sort of kept very close to the vest um, just because it was just, it's always, it was, I was always sort of embarrassed of it, you know, <laughs> but yeah. uh now that now that it's getting published, maybe I'll be a little more forthcoming about it. You know, it's okay yeah. to talk about being a writer now. 
It's very interesting because you said like it's so personal. Yeah. You know, and like it's true. Like, and um, it's it must like it's it like I, it must have something to do with like the the amount of openness and vulnerability that you that you grew up with as well being able to like share with people that you're writing or share with people what you've written before you feel it's perfect and ready to show the world yeah right because like because like my family was always like very open very talking about feelings it's okay to be vulnerable like all this kind of stuff um so like I'm like I'm like read this thing this is me in a in a page read it (laughs) Um, (laughs) but like, it must be like, it must, it must be very hard for people who feel like this is private. Like this is part of me. This is a piece of who I am and I'm just giving it to you to judge. Yeah. Well, that's (laughs) it. It, It's funny. You mentioned the family upbringing, like my, my dad, you know, Irish immigrant. I was the first one in my family born in Canada. Uh, you know, and that's that Irish mentality. It's just like you grin and bear it, you know, (laughs) no one ever talks about their feelings, you know, uh, the word love did not get thrown around a lot in my house, even though we all, of course, love each Mm -hmm. other, but, uh, there's a a lot of truth to what you say there. It's just how open are you with your feelings? Um, I remember, uh, I, am not, I'm not a huge Stephen King guy. I don't read a lot of horror, but, um, this, you know, the recalcitrant stuff of life is chock full of references to the movie stand by me which was a movie i loved growing up like my whole youth was based around trying to reenact that movie um and i remember coming across the book like it's a novella when i was like 15 years old it's called the body by stephen king and i've read it a lot it's an amazing like i loved the movie and then of course you read the book and the book is even better um and it's just that was that was a revelation to me it's like oh my goodness everything the grown up said was true (laughs) the book is better (laughs) <laughs> but so I've reread that novella uh, half a dozen times. I actually read it to my kids this summer and they loved it. Um, but he, he talks about writing um, a little bit in that because one of the one of the kids is a writer and he talks about how um, it's so hard to share your writing with people because you're not only are you embarrassed by it, but you're also terrified that these things that are so important to you might not be so important to the people who read it. Like maybe those things that you, you know, that break your heart, they just don't have any effect on anyone else. And I was just like that. There's truth in that, you know, like oh, this, this, this story I wrote about these characters, maybe no one will care. <laughs> you know? yeah. like, they mean so much to me, but maybe no one will care. And what does that say? So um, that's part of it, I think. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Um, Cause you just put so much of who you are into your work. Even if it's like, like you, you're, you, people don't make mindlessly usually, you know, like usually there's like, you, like art is not necessarily, is not generally made on, uh, you know, frivolously. Belt. Yeah. Um, there's some sort of heart put into it. And to have that kind of stuff taken and someone saying, oh, yeah, that's nice. It was fine. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, okay, cool. I didn't really get it, but it's whatever. It's like, that's, my heart. That's the worst no. reaction. You want them either to love it or hate it. You yeah. Know? You don't want them to be yeah. like, yeah, it was, it was okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and like, I think I think something that, I think like, one thing that I, I, I have come to realize through putting my stuff out there is that not everything is everybody's gig and that's okay you know like my stuff is going to be a little bit intense for some people and it's not going to be intense enough for other people for some people it's going to be too simple for other people it's going to be like you're using really flowery language like it really depends and it doesn't make it like it's there is no I mean, like, obviously there's um, some objective things that make certain art forms good and bad, Uh, not forms of art, but like within each art form, there's certain rules that make art traditionally good or traditionally bad. Um, But even within those rules, it's the working around of those rules that's saying, okay, I know that traditionally it looks good if the line is straight, but what if we do? What if, what if we just made it a little bit crooked instead? What would what, what would happen? Well, yeah, it's you know you talk about the things that are good art art that's good um, or that's celebrated. 
and sometimes it's that that off center thing like you know this this particular work or that particular work doesn't fit into a genre and that's why it's, it's so hard to get it published or to have it accepted but the things that sort of break through are those those things that are new you know it's mm-hmm. those things that oh this doesn't fit into <laughs> like i uh I uh, reread Train Spotting not long ago, and I don't know if you've read that. I mean, it's it takes you takes you fifty pages to actually understand what you're reading. Yeah, but like I can't imagine the first time someone tried to read that. Like, what? <laughs> what the hell? Like, are what is going on? But that's what makes it amazing, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think that's I think that's one of the amazing things about all of these indie presses that are coming up is um, more and more those kinds of um genre bending and um rule breaking media can be made public for people right yeah and i think that there really needs to be an ideological shift because like i have okay this is like a thing like with me you're gonna hear this all the time from me is that things everything in our life is made by a person it's created by a human so if we are putting importance on things like getting published in the New Yorker or getting published at Poetry Magazine, which is like great. But if we're putting all of the importance on that, we also have the power to take all of the importance off of that and redistribute it elsewhere. Yeah. You know, so like if we just have this like cultural shift to really supporting and valuing these indie presses to the point where they don't need to be saying like, I need crowdfunding for uh to to be able to pair contributors can you please please you know uh like help with our coffee or whatever like that um but like to the point where it's like 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 you have patrons who are actually investing in things because they believe in the community that it brings about and stuff like that um also i'm a little bit of a marxist but it's uh, (laughs) the marxist buddhist see there you go i like it um but yeah, no, I just, uh, I really appreciate what um, what indie presses are doing. Like Outcast Press is, yeah, a really good example of just like, you know, taking something that's good and just trying to say something and not making it follow anybody's rules. Yeah, you know? it's, it was amazing to me. I, I only sort of became active on Twitter about a year ago and it was just so eye-opening to see how many little indie presses were out there because I was just like my only exposure to the publishing world was you know the the big five or seven in Canada (laughs) through my agent I had no idea any of these other presses existed and I you know I, I only know a couple of real writers so I you know I sort of had their experience but finding out how many little indie presses that were out there and that would probably, would take a chance was pretty, pretty amazing. It's so it's an interesting time we live in. It's like the, the democratization of literature, you know, it's just, if it's good, yeah. it'll find a home. And, uh, and that's an amazing exactly. thing. And it doesn't have to be the best to find a home. You know, I think a lot of cultivating a culture of good art and good creation is allowing people to create mediocre stuff and celebrating the parts that are good about it. Yeah. You know, it's like, you can make something that is like midway through a career, right? Like, you know, you don't really know all of the things yet, but like, this is still some pretty good stuff, especially considering where you are in your career, like having places for people who are just starting out in writing and having place and that, that are also respected by established writers you know like it's like I I just feel like having us having established writers be over here and indie presses be all the way over here is not helpful yeah for anybody you know but I mean like you know that's all in like some sort of like wonderful idyllic you know brave new world yeah but I think we're on the right track I mean it's it's pretty amazing what what you can find out there yeah Um, so let me ask you, because, uh, you know, I'm so out of touch with the poetry scene. Who should I be reading these days? Oh, gosh, don't even ask me that. I am so grateful for knowing things. Um, sorry, not Shannon. Oh, my God. What am I saying? Sharon Olds. Absolutely amazing. Amazing, amazing poet. Um, I like Natalie Diaz. I haven't read her newest book, and I've heard mixed reviews about it. 
Um, but I do really like her. Um, I watched her eat the apple, I believe it's called. Okay. Mostly because I just really like like food poetry. Food poetry is like, I love it. Um, eating is just great. Hmm. Who are people that I've, that I've been seeing around? Um, there's, a, there's a new, uh, you've probably seen it if you're on Outcast's uh, following list is um, Leia Leia Johns or something like that. Fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've heard that one's really good. I'm excited. I want to pick myself up a coffee before she runs out of them, actually. But yeah, I mean, like, honestly, the I'm going to be real with you. As someone who never studied anything, um, so I don't have, I don't have, like, the systemic, uh, cultured view on, view on poetry. I just kind of, like, like, feel it or don't. Yeah pick up an indie magazine like there's going to be stuff in there that's like meh that doesn't really hit you but like you're going to find some really good shit in there like I don't think I like like I've read a couple things in 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 magazines that I'm like I wouldn't have published that (laughs) (laughs) um but that's also one of the wonderful things about the community right is that I can say you know to me not really my gig yeah. Um, but to somebody else, it had it had the merit to be published. Right. Yeah, you know, it's, I remember seeing uh, this is just a total aside, but I remember uh, seeing the comedian George Carlin one time uh, perform and he got through his set and he's like, hey, and I'm going to do some stuff that I'm just working on. I'm going to workshop it with you right now. And like some of it was hysterical and some of it was terrible, but it's like <laughs> it was so cool to watch him do that. Right. It's not always going to work, but it's 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 amazing yeah. to have that forum to to workshop it. Exactly, exactly, and I feel like I feel like writing is often misconsidered as uh, a lonely venture. Yeah, and I think that that sets a lot of people on the wrong path. It definitely set me on the wrong path for a long time because I figured. I don't have a writing community because there isn't a writing community. I have to figure this all out myself. Like I would have, I would be so much further ahead if I had known when I was on Twitter in like in like 12th grade that this this community existed than the than just like finding out about it back in June. Yeah, like having having a community where you're able to have a forum. And I think that that's the one of one of one of the next steps that I want to make in, in, in like my literary kind of corner of the world is I want like an interactive space where it's not just like, like I, I, I want poetry critiques to be more of a thing and I want them to not hurt as bad, you know, like, like you, like, you know how you have, like you have your critiques on, um, on like, uh, like you have your reviews or whatever on Amazon or all reads or whatever like that. Yeah. But like interacting with the material, not just saying, I didn't like this. Right. Yeah. You know, like doing something about it, saying, I didn't like it because of this. If I was you and like I had written this, I would have done this and you can take it or leave it. Yeah. Have you ever thought about uh, doing this? Yeah. So constructive criticism. Exactly. And just having like a constructive space for it not to just be like, oh, this is beautiful because yes, a lot of it is very beautiful. See, here's the thing that I realized is that like uh, Yates and Wordsworth and um, Eliot and Pan and like all of these poets that are like known to be some of the best poets in history have entire classes about critiquing their work. Interesting. People are gonna critique your work. And that to me, being able to engage with that process and defend your decisions and say, no, I did this, you're just missing the point that I was trying to make here. And like, you know, like having that engagement is part of what makes it wonderful. I think that's why it's so exciting when you get an acceptance acceptance, um, from somewhere like someone engaged with this. And they usually say something about a couple lines of your poem or whatever like that. And you're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, they, they have a thing, they, they want to have a discourse on this. Yeah. And then it gets published and people are like, oh, pretty poem. And I'm like, no, I want to have a discourse on this. I wanted to say something with this. I wanted to like move people. I want to know what you think. So you what, the, what, let me ask you, what's the best form to have that, that dialogue and that 
critique? What, in your opinion, is that, is that, Hey, we're, we're at a coffee house. We're going to, we're going to read, we're going to discuss, is it online? What's, what's the ideal situation for you? I think, I think having some sort of space that is both synchronous and asynchronous. So like you can like both like, like, like kind of like a blog, but also kind of like what we're doing right now um, where you can like have like a blog post or whatever and have people like comment and go back and forth. Cause, cause the asynchronous part is really important for engaging people, but also having a space where you like get together once a week and you just have like, you just have like a poet's coffee or something. And you're like, Hey, these are the posts from this week what do you think about them yeah you know and just normalizing having those discussions because being positive and building people up is like one of the most important things and also being able to learn how to say that was a critique that was a valid critique and my work is still good even though I'm not taking that critique is also very important and a step that people don't learn very 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 often yeah, you know, as as you're talking, I'm thinking as a poetry, I don't know what you would call me, novice, someone who, you know, I've read some some poetry, but I'm, I'm the furthest thing in the world from um, an expert or a connoisseur. To have like a, a podcast like you have and to like critique a poem with a, a couple of other poets would be super cool. I think for someone like me who doesn't really appreciate poetry, like maybe I should. And, you know, you could take, yeah, take TSL, one of T.S. Eliot's poems and, <laughs> and break it down. That'd be really awesome. Or, in, and then you could do sort of one of your own or one of your other uh, podcast mates. I mean, that would be, to me, that'd be fascinating as someone who doesn't really know enough about poetry as I'd like to know. Um, and then yeah. there'd be some heated debates and that would be, that'd be even more entertaining, you know? Exactly. <laughs> someone gets yeah, no, that'd be super cool. No, I should, uh, you know, once every like three episodes, we do something like that or beautiful. I'm well, I'm super excited to read the rest of this. Um, I'm already like, I was just like in bed last night, like reading, I was like, oh my God, what's next? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so sorry. I don't have a hard copy for you yet. I, uh, you know, I, I it's okay. I'll be getting one. Cause I love my hard copies. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm like, you know, uh, Kindle versus hard copy, always hard copy. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, kill those trees. Um, <laughs> they don't mind being sacrificed in the name of great literature. Exactly. All right. Well, hey, before you stop it, can I just yeah. say something? Yeah. Thank you so much. Your questions were amazing. I really enjoyed uh, speaking with you. So um, you did a great job. So I hope you have more more guests on because um, you've got great insight into uh, into literature and poetry. So I'm excited to see what you do next. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for being my inaugural guest. This was absolutely lovely. I had a wonderful time chatting with you. All right. Well, it was um, an honor. You know, we'll be able to tell our grandkids about this. You know, I was the yeah, first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, you know, that book on the shelf, I talked to him. I was on the <laughs> very first podcast. That's uh, could be a, wind up being a bigger deal than you think. Exactly. Who knows? <laughs>